0: God doesn't make the world this way. We do. You really feel normally What do you seem to understand? I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me! What's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of you're locked in here with us a watchman podcast I am your host blaze hopkins and tonight It's happening the perfect storm with uh, what I think was the best episode so far this season We have everybody here for the discussion uh, That's right. I am joined by Garrett and chris uh the first time in a long time but uh it is going it's a bit of a treat so chris how are you doing
1: uh doing very well blaze and what's up everyone i'm happy to actually be here for a a full discussion episode i know i've done some of the instant reactions but uh and we did the tinfoil talk but uh yeah it's nice to have the opportunity not be working on a tuesday night and uh and and join in the discussion with you guys and especially for as you said one of if not the best episodes of the season and uh yeah there's there's a lot to discuss um and i'm i'm excited to to dive into it with with you guys
0: yeah and uh garrett how are you i'm doing good officially
2: finished up my my semester on sunday and my internship today so i have no guilt this time about sitting here for an hour recording (laughs) which last time. Very good. Yeah. Kind of bit myself. I was up till like the very last minute handing in an assignment on Sunday, but we are we're good to go now, so
0: glad to hear it. Uh I am also doing pretty well. No complaints here. So yeah, this was a hell of a week for the show. Um episode 5 titled Little Fear of Lightning and we're pretty much just going to get right into it because as Chris said, there's a lot to talk about. So Uh, This week, we saw some puppies get incinerated, we saw a giant squid, Uh, we saw a bunch of dead bodies be used to spell out Desert Island Help Me, and uh, we basically also got a Looking Glass-centric episode, the origin story of Wade Tillman. Uh, So I want to get some brief overall thoughts, Uh, Garrett. What did you think in general of this episode as a whole?
2: Yeah, so just instant reaction, because I know we didn't get to do that this week. I thought by far that this was... I kind of sighed there because I was thinking back to the first episode, which is really good. But I think for sure this is the best episode of the, the show so far. And like I was kind of mentioning to chris right before we started recording and i i said i'm gonna save my thoughts um i have never really got invested in a lindenloft show before and i was excited just because i heard he was such a good creator of tv you know with the leftovers and and lost coming into this show and i definitely was enjoying watchmen um through the first four episodes but halfway through this episode episode five I really had the realization that I was like I got to go back and watch The Leftovers like if this is I felt like it finally lived up to the hype that I had built up to based on everything I knew about this guy as a writer and a show creator and creating a world and then kind of having these interconnected stories that all pay off in a in a really cool way and I thought even though we're, this is the central episode of the season so far, I felt like we did get a lot of payoff that we've kind of been desperately waiting for. And in a way, it kind of felt like we were waiting a little bit too long. But again, as I've been saying throughout these episodes and these podcasts, I have a feeling that in hindsight, the season as a whole is going to make more sense. And the episodes that have huge payoff will be worth it. And the episodes that kind of are more building will be a little bit more justifiable once we've mm-hmm. seen the episodes with payoff. And I've, this was just from the first scene until the last, I couldn't blink. I did not want to stop watching it. It was awesome. I know I've mentioned looking glass is probably my favorite character. So I was really happy to just indulge in his story and, and, i feel like we we just learned so much more about him and in a way he seems like such more of a normal guy to me now he was just yeah. so weird and mysterious and wasn't quite sure if he was he was like dumb or like borderline autistic or something you know in the first couple episodes that we saw him but now we just know he's really he just w- traumatized and yeah. lo- and lonely yeah, he's just dealing with PTSD and he is super lonely, but he's also a really brilliant guy who knows how to read people and I thought I just like the whole element of obviously seeing how his character began and then seeing where he was and I thought it's really clever that he's you know so reliant on on the I don't know if it's, like, the metal material or whatever it is, but just so many different things that we saw little bits of throughout the beginning few episodes really came together, and it it all made so much sense and was executed
1: so well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Chris, uh, anything to add? How did you feel about the episode?
1: Yeah, I mean, following up on one point that Garrett made, which is that I had seen kind of the hype before... This episode was that it was the most leftovers uh, esque episode that Watchmen had done so far, and I couldn't agree more. Just with the singular point of view of Looking Glass, I mean, we only Mm -hmm. really step away for him. We step away from him uh, just with uh, with Veidt a little bit um, to kind of see what he's up to, and as you kind of hinted at, his uh, like you know, help me sign with bodies, um, which is. So, it was just so perfectly, <laughs> so perfectly him. Um, but getting back to what I think was the strength of this episode, it was the point of view, it was the fact that, as Garrett also said, like, Looking Glass has kind of been a mystery, um, you know, uh, to us. Like, you know, you like him, um, be- because he kind of works with Angela, you know, you like him because you know, he's on whatever quote-unquote good side there is, but there's still that mystery to him. Blaze, I know you and I had talked about, uh, I think in the instant reaction last week, about, like, what the hell is his obsession with the squids? And that clearly became... uh, That that answer came very clearly in the beginning of this episode. Um, And I just... I think I just sort of felt for him the entire time. Like, to me, he was... Just became a more sympathetic character because it seemed like no matter what he was getting duped in this episode um mm-hmm. one way or the other uh you know I mean obviously the the beginning with the funhouse
0: and the girl you know stripping him of his clothes and then obviously, yeah we s- we get to see his consistent weakness,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, and then he's tricked again by the the girl a uh, good old honeypot,
0: yeah seriously,
1: <laughs> yeah. By the girl again is a part of the cal uh cavalry and uh and then I feel like he's even duped or manipulated again with Keen uh kind of forcing him to sell out Angela, which I I know we'll get into all these things more specifically, but yeah, and I think he's just a guy who, you know, the le- the reason I think it reminds me so much of the leftovers too is because he's a guy who's dealing with so much trauma and doesn't really have an outlet for it Mm -hmm. um and is kind of letting it haunt his life you know whether whether he's really conscious of how it's haunting it or not and um yeah and i just found that so sad but also really beautiful and tim blake nelson's performance i mean i don't think i've given him enough credit on the show i mean i know
0: he's very good and i've always thought he was good but like he hasn't gotten to flex as much as you know a Don Johnson, even though he like as a, the little bits we've seen of him, like even he has gotten to express more emotion on screen and kind of provide more depth well, to his character of, of Judd.
1: Yeah, or even someone like a Jeremy Irons with um yep. with Ozymandias, Mandius, he's gotten at least more screen time and's gotten to show his face a little bit more, whereas Tim Blake Nelson's primarily just been under the looking glass mask and had a few lines here and there um but yeah i i love i love the episode we even got a a completely cheesy and yet wonderful squid pro quo line too like it was <laughs> just like it, everything was firing on all cylinders and and like kind of like garrett said i was hooked from beginning to end i, I've, I really just found the entire episode magnetic and i the last thing i'll say is i like that this one it, it also did a really good job of like Showing us what. I think it filled in some nice gaps, too, of the watchman lore. Like, if you weren't a comic reader, if you didn't know the story and you saw the giant squid, like, you'd kind of heard about these squids. You'd kind of heard about what uh, uh Ozymandias had done. And then to actually see it and to see the loss of life and to just see how horrific that was. I mean, obviously, this isn't. This is a non. You know the squid is a not realistic depiction of that violence but to me it it kind of echoed what we saw at the beginning of the series yeah Mm -hmm. you know like the the um the black wall street massacre is a is a real thing and definitely something i think that you know is is more painful and more hard to watch because we know it happened but we saw a similar loss of life like a similar violence and just uh gruesomeness in this opening scene as well so it kind of the two episodes it's funny that garrett brought up the premiere they kind of mirror each other in that way where they kick off with that gruesome that gruesomeness that kind of shocks you into it and then they never it never really lets you go you never really feel settled in afterwards
0: yeah absolutely and i mean i uh am pretty much with you i loved that we, this character was given so much depth, and it was all so rawly emotional, I mean, yeah, it opens up with this innocent guy from Oklahoma, just, you know, wanting to be a traveling missionary, he he has his faith in everything, and, and he essentially just gets immediately fucked up by the, the real world, <laughs> and, um, and I, you know you feel bad for Wade, and even how he he looks in the mirror after the girl runs off, and he starts you know berating himself uh, verbally and everything, because as if he's a sinner and he's you know about to give in to his temptations. And then seeing him the event, the interdimensional event take place and everything, and him have to walk out and witness the physical horror, especially when. He had already been planning on it, I guess, you know, they they are going to kind of spread the news about the, the doomsday clock and the oncoming nuclear war, and he actually has to witness, essentially, something similar in seeing all those bodies, and yeah, just to watch him then live with this trauma and to find out how much it had impacted him to the point where it still is you know it's cost him his marriage and basically his comfort in life to the point where he's running to his bunker to i guess do checks of it like if he would make it or not is that what that was essentially yeah
1: and he's yeah well he's checking to that that system is essentially alarming him of an event that's about to happen and so, yeah. and then, yeah, he's going to his bunker to essentially survive it, like how he did in the Funhouse. That's how. Yeah. That's how I read it. But then he say he had used the system, like he had done five hundred checks, and they were like, "You shouldn't do it more than once every six weeks."
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <so. laughs> yeah. and yeah, uh, I was. I just, that was, was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I thought the whole intro and the way it led into this peak into his life, it was just. Uh, surprisingly depressing and I just felt for the character so much more than I expected to um, especially because I think what's interesting and what kind of stood out to me is we've talked about how even before the show premiered I think that they purposefully and this I give so much credit to Damon Lindelof because they set this character up to be similarly looking to Rorschach, right? And we know what that character is all about. And we actually got to see that he is nothing like the character. He's almost the opposite. And I love everything that goes into what his mask stands for and how, you know, we don't see his face at all. It just reflects the outside to almost distract from his true nature. Uh, But yeah, it, it was just really mind-blowing to me that he everything he's been through and sort of that we've seen him deflect from these horrors in his life even probably the memories of being bullied for his belief in religion as we saw you know the uh like punks do in the beginning of the episode and like you said chris i think that's a great point about him not really having an outlet and uh, i just yeah i thought it was really interesting but what did you think, I guess, Garrett, I want to get your input about uh, how did you feel about like his entire home life and what did you think about getting a look into that? Because I thought that was, again, fascinating and you brought up how sad you felt for him, essentially. Um, you know, you see him just like eating the beans alone and he never takes off his mask and we're to the point where it almost seems like he just can't feel safe outside of the bunker even when he kind of lays down on the couch and you know
2: yeah i think one of the best parts about this show is the reliance that they have on our history and on each character's past and what makes them who they are so i work in the mental health field and kind of a new I guess, field of study, not too new, but, you know, within the past decade, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, but it's really like a new approach that therapists and mental health professionals are taking, which is trauma-informed care, which instead of just viewing somebody who they are and how they're interacting in their you know daily life and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and addressing that behavior and addressing those relationships – What therapists are doing now is, again, starting, you know, at those earlier moments in somebody's life and looking at everything they've gone through that might have affected who they are today. And in order to kind of address the surface level stuff, you got to go back to the beginning and figure out why they are who they are and then address those issues and try to get some form of healing and... I I honestly don't know if I've seen many shows like that. I mean, Breaking Bad a little bit you got some of that, you know, at the beginning with Walt where he kind of, you knew who he was, he's kind of a weak character but you didn't get into like trauma or any real major historical events in any character's lives in that show. And this, it seems like every character, we know a lot about their history whether it's obviously Angela or or Judd we're learning more about we're about to learn a whole lot more about Will but I think by having an entire episode pretty much dedicated to why Looking Glass is the way he is that it's just a really brilliant thing for the show to do and it impressed me more than I can describe and I think that I I We'll get to it. I don't think that he's just going to get killed off next episode. And mm-hmm. I think that we're going to see him kind of be able to face his fears a little bit more. So even though he knows that the squid thing, you know, was more of a hoax, um, I think the trauma is still there. It, we kind of saw that when he ran back and grabbed the, you know, the, the speaker box or the alarm or whatever it was. And yeah, yeah. I think we're going to continue seeing him wear the mask and he's still going to have those unsettling feelings of, you know, any moment something bad could happen again. That just doesn't go away, even if you know that it was a hoax or something. It's just he has like this PTSD is like built into his DNA. And I think hopefully throughout the rest of this season, at least maybe even an ongoing theme of his character, we're just going to see him kind of be able to face his fears and then overcome them and that will be his, his character arc, I'm assuming. But I think that is, it's such an interesting way to develop a character by kind of mm-hmm. focusing more on their past instead of what they're currently going through, which obviously we're still looking at what he's going through, but by really putting an emphasis on who he is and why he is that way is is a pretty fresh take on character development, and I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I uh, definitely think it's been one of the most unique character developments that I can think of in recent television that I've watched, uh, because I, while I feel for the character, um, yeah, it's still... It's amazing how he hasn't let it take him down. Uh, essentially or kind of completely ruin his life while it might control it and yeah i think that it was interesting to see even though he learns everything he believed in and has been screwed up by was actually a hoax but yeah it's almost become a comfort you know it's almost become like a addiction routine to him where he needs to like somebody with ocd or something where You know, even though he wants to let go of this process and everything he's known and used to, he can't. Um, And I think it's going to be interesting to watch him kind of bounce back from this at this point and see where it goes. Uh, I too believe he'll get out of the situation because, like I said at the beginning of our episode, I don't think, you know, he's not an idiot. And I don't think that being, you know, on the force for his entire life. And now being in this type of a situation that he would ever think he would just get to walk free, uh, you know, or kind of be left as this pawn for the cavalry to use because they know he won't continue to just do their bidding. So I'm hoping that he is expecting this. I think it might be a little hairy to start the episode. We're going to hopefully see him use that dimensional box as a way to smash some cavalry skulls in you know, or at least uh, smash one of them in to get a weapon. But yeah, I thought it was a really great balance. And I think that's what made me fall in love with the character even more was just because I want to see him navigate this uh, with all of this new knowledge and sort of overcome it, or at least, I don't know, you know, just learn to ingest and or digest and kind of piece together maybe where his life goes now that he has this uh, new information Uh, yeah one one little
2: piece that I I really liked um, so in the at the end of episode 4 we saw that he was attending a support group for you know his PTSD for the I forget what it was called like the interdimensional you know PTSD Mm -hmm. type thing but I really liked that he was actually leading the support group so it kind of does show that he has some inner inner strength and and will to endure he's not completely letting it take over his life even though it has kind of shattered his life but i think we're going to see that strength develop a little bit more and probably be the reason why he he survives this thing if he does
0: yeah very true um Chris, what did you think of this? I want to hear how you felt about sort of the, just the development of his daily life and his, uh, you know, Wade's routine basically and how the event has impacted him for so long. Where do you sort of see the character maybe going or um, kind of if he does survive? Uh, one, do you think he'll survive? And if he does, how do you think the rest of the season develops for him?
1: Um, I mean, I think he's going to, i think he's gonna have to sort of force himself out of his habits in some way you know like like you said that he learned everything you know, that happened to him was sort of was part of a hoax and i think even though garrett's right in the fact that he's leading the group the um the the kind of calvary sleeper agent calls him out on the fact that he's not out of the tunnel and i don't think he is um and so mm-hmm I think for any kind of real, like, change to happen, he's going to... I'm not saying he do, he doesn't have to wear his mask or things like that, but he needs to kind of stop living in the fear of what could be and start dealing with the danger of what is happening, you know? Um, I mean, he's the only one who knows for sure like what's going on. He's the only one that knows the truth about Keen. He's the only one that knows the truth about what uh Judd was up to and and what they're trying to do. And so I think he's gotta be I think he's gotta be pretty instrumental in the rest of the season, but he's gotta be a man of action instead of just reaction. And I think that's the biggest change that has to happen to his character. I think he's a guy who you know we we see him even in his in his day job right like his quote-unquote job so that he's not seen as a cop he's an observer he's a wallflower and i think in Mm -hmm. order for him to really um to really to make a change he's gotta be more active he's gotta be the guy leading the change kind of fighting the fight rather than just sitting on the sidelines and letting things happen i mean i even think back to when we had like when red scare and, uh was like leading the riots at the nixon place and like looking glass just kind of let it happen and he can't be the guy who just like lets things happen anymore you know he has to he has to be the one that that takes the risk and he's obviously incredibly risk averse you know and we he we even have that great line from his wife where you know you you just you wouldn't believe you know seven years we were married and seven years you never like believed i wasn't gonna leave you naked uh you know without your clothes on you know Mm -hmm. like uh, so he always has the he's all he's a man defined by fear but that's what keen and the cavalry want them to be people to be so if he's falling victim to it if he's allowing it to happen then he's just
0: playing into their hands That's a really good point um, because it also immediately makes me think that deep down we know he has that capability and he showed it with how he handled the uh, cavalry hideout scene, as I'll call it. And after he he looks so, you know, flabbergasted and overwhelmed when he actually stumbles upon their hideout and he's in the church and everything. Uh, But in the moment, we do see him essentially step up. And it's basically a suicide mission when he confronts them. But we do see, even though they're blanks, he was willing to pull the trigger, you know, and take action. And I think that's a good point, because I feel like that scene might have been trying to uh, at least give us a little hint or show us that at the end of the day, we know who he is and what he is capable of when the moment calls upon him.
2: Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think we're going to see even more of that uh, probably right at the start of this next episode. I have a feeling I don't I don't know if he's going to have something waiting for them. Like, he kind of already projected into the future that they were going to come for him.
0: Or if his house is just, like, always bugged because of... I mean, they've, it, yeah. they've had enough history between the White Knight and everything, and obviously the personal info names and addresses of police being leaked before that he strikes me as the type of guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he has uh, a defense system built into his house somehow, you know, or he pulls a lever and the uh, home alone booby traps get activated. I hope there's something like that instead
2: of him, like just trying to make it to his bunker. Like mm-hmm. th- I could see that maybe being his plan just cause we've seen that before. Um, sure. But- That would be yeah i hope he has a little bit more of like an attack system in place instead of just a defense system
0: yeah it'll be interesting um but i i I hope that i'm so curious just because the we know that the episode uh this upcoming week is going to be so dominated it's going to basically be a uh, trip down a literal trip down memory lane for angela but uh i hope that the episode maybe opens with that and kind of gives us the peace of mind to not leave that story dangling before diving into everything else. But I want to dive into this hideout scene a little bit more, uh, after Wade basically gets baited again by a female taking interest in him. He follows the truck. He sees the lettuce and you can't blame the guy. Uh, good on the cavalry you know they executed their plan perfectly but he follows them and it turns out they've been hiding in a abandoned mall uh if i am correct and the church everything is a stage it's all a prop but more interestingly the cavalry is messing around with uh uh, teleportation devices or kind of those dimensional portals. I forget exactly what uh, he labels them when he's asked if he knows what they are. Uh, they are messing around with basketballs right now. And we get confirmation that Senator Keane is a member of the cavalry and he is now leading them. And he kind of gives us a little more info on their plot which I thought was interesting and essentially that higher-up figures like himself and Judd were for the most part trying to quote-unquote keep the peace or at least execute their plan with more order instated uh, so that as Keen put it another white knight scenario wouldn't happen, something as reckless wouldn't happen. Which I thought was really interesting. I wanna kind of I, I mean, I know it's a lot. Again, there's so much that happens in this episode, but I want both of you to sort of give me your thoughts on uh not only what you think they are up to, I guess, with the portals and just how you felt about that whole look into the Cavalry's lair uh was or kind of hit you, but also uh, what do you make of that little tidbit of info, of the the White Knight Cavalry potentially being different or almost like a prejud esque uh, organization? Whoever
2: wants. to I jump I in. really liked that. Yeah, that they kind of, dis- you know, decided that they would each kind of work their way up the ranks of the opposing sides theoretically to keep the peace. Or, like you said, kind of just create more order. And I think that, obviously, we've kind of learned at this point that both of those characters are not great people. Mm -hmm. But, again, like all great villains, you know, they at least have a somewhat understandable objective in in mind. But they're just kind of going about it the wrong way. And I, I was happy to just get that little couple sentences to kind of...
0: I'm happy just give you...
2: some context to their characters.
0: Yeah, I'm happy we're learning a little bit more about their motives and everything and their plan, but so do you think I'm curious, uh, do you think that Judd was targeted on the white knight, or do you think he was still kind of uh, a staged like would never have been killed?
1: <sighs>
0: yeah, I'll Sorry, I'm still just so fascinated by little bits and pieces of the mystery
1: I mean I think the thing is too is how much do you believe Keen
0: yeah uh, also a good point
1: like if we're if we're gonna believe him let's just say let's take it at face value and say everything he said is true I don't think there's any way that Judd was targeted because mm-hmm. I think he probably tried to stop what what ha- like stop what happened um, but I think he was also probably smart enough to not be in his house that night you know, if, sure. he, if he had gotten wind of it, you know, or that he was, that that um, he had some extra protection in place for himself, um. But, yeah, I um. I don't know though, because I, I still don't know if I believe everything that Keen said. I think probably the the hmm. ba- the basis of it is true. I think like, the general idea of like, those kind of structures in place with him and Judd. But I mean, do we really believe that he's trying to this, like? I guess do we believe that he's trying to control these radicals, or do we believe that like his maybe he's allowing this radical to action radical action to happen as some endgame? You know, I I don't know because then then the other question is is like why is he? putting himself in danger when there's like the suicide bomber at the funeral and like it it just creates a whole lot of other questions and so i don't think we're getting the full story from him exactly Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's also a fair point um i still i agree that's what i wanted to bring it up because i've still there's still so many holes in um in that side of things but keen also mentions that uh they aren't Planning to drop another squid because it would be unoriginal, uh, but he kind of hints that they have something bigger planned. Uh, any ideas or guesses on what the cavalry might be trying to do?
1: Uh,
2: I don't, uh, ha- I dro- don't have drop any. Drop a, a massive whale onto the city. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, I, I, I honestly can't even guess, but. I'd, I like to think that maybe Lady True, what she's doing is maybe trying to counteract it in a way, and maybe she won't be as evil as a character is she might kind of seem, but that I'm just thinking of that now. So in terms of what their actual plan is, I, yeah, that's that's really tough because we haven't really gotten any sort of Information, so it's just going to be a shot in the dark at this point.
0: Yeah, very fair. I like I said, I don't have any good guesses either. I almost feel like they potentially be
2: trying to like get Doctor Manhattan back and kind of like that's what I was thinking. Movie where they okay, like how Vite in the movie blames it, you know, like this bomb on Doctor Manhattan. Maybe they're trying to do something similar where they're trying to like bring him back and harness his power. Or maybe just lure him back because, again, we do see a guy with a blue hand in the trailer or whatever. So maybe they're trying to, for some reason, get him back into the picture. And they think that if they can maybe teleport to to Mars or maybe they're trying to bring Ozymandias back, we don't really have a clear timeline. So maybe they saw that he – maybe they saw the, you know, save me thing he put on – whatever moon he's on like a looked like he's by jupiter so who knows where he is but maybe they're trying to build a device to go save him and then who knows why but that's just a guess i guess
0: yeah i mean i think it's as uh, good as anything else out there um and then otherwise in this episode uh the other big thing is as you uh, mentioned basically keen through the government assignments he had to take on as he worked through the ranks uh, was had to deal with this confidential video from Ozymandias, basically revealing his entire plot um, in the past and not only does it rock Wade's world, but um, unintentional, little play on words there, but it, esen- world. it essentially essentially confirms everything that we had thought I guess or kind of how we knew the plan was executed and I agree with what you said early on Chris I wanted to wait to kind of mention this but I loved that this episode single-handedly was able to fill any non-graphic novel readers in on the ending of the original Watchmen graphic novel and also provide the explanation for it so it essentially sums up reading that entire thing and Ozymandias confirms that you know his he wanted to uh, create peace around the world and stop the the nuclear race and war between uh, Soviet Union and the U.S. by dropping the squid out there and essentially showing that if a interdimensional being could drop down it would prove to all the nations that there is bigger things to worry about in space and you know who else knows where so chris i want to get your perspective you kind of touched on it a little bit but how did you feel about that what did you think of that little video segment kind of what it explained and Did it provide any, I guess, additional... Did it change any thoughts you've had about the show or where it might be going or what it might be, the conflict might be growing towards uh, now that you've figured out that information? I mean, I like
1: the fact that it directly linked Ozymandias to the main plot. Uh, Because, you know, he directly links him to Keen in one way or the other. Um which i think is good because as much as i enjoy white scenes as much fun as jeremy irons is it still feels like we're in this kind of holding pattern with him Mm -hmm. um so anytime the show can bring him back into it somehow in an important way whether it was in like episode three with um with laurie's backstory and and like the the framing of the joke or if it was or with something like this that to me just i think makes the show feel more cohesive um which which i which i appreciate uh i think it also to me for like what the conflict is the fact that he kind of played this long con in a way that ozymandias did that's what makes me not necessarily want to believe keen because sure. like if they if keen is kind of and i think blaze you and i have said this either on air or off air i forget if he's kind of almost filling the Ozymandias-like role in this show, then why would we believe anything he says? You know, even when he's explaining his plan, because for all we know, he could just be lying and have another plan. Um, and then going back to what you had asked Garrett before uh, about, like, what what they're doing. I, at first, was like, oh, I think they're getting Dr. Manhattan. But then Garrett said about them maybe trying to rescue uh, Vipe. And I could see that in a way that, like, if he if they're kind of modeling their behavior after him, if this video really kind of has kind of helped cement what Keen's all about, then maybe they are interested in bringing him back. I, I don't know. So I thought it was a nice, like, twist for what it, what it means for the present day storyline. I also think it recontextualizes the big event from 1985 in a way that i think feels more i think it fits more with ozymandias's character and i think it also fits more with the show's themes uh and with the graphic novels themes of just like again almost of there being no true heroes or villains and 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 also like the superhero stuff kind of all of it or all the kind of sci-fi stuff being grounded in these kind of more realistic ideas of politics and um and war and 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 kind of themes like that so yeah i i think it worked for me and i think it recontextualizes the the quote unquote the event in a in a really interesting way and i'm really curious to see if ozymandias like if and when he shows up in present day if he's going to be more directly connected with Keen and that group than we maybe initially thought, or if he's going to be more directly connected with lady true, I I don't know, but I feel like he just, he can't be an outlier forever. We're five episodes in, we have four episodes left and as much fun as his scenes are personally, my patience is starting to get a little tried where I'm like, that's where I'm like, all right, bring him into the main fold. You know, we already have done have done it with Laurie. We're showing that, you know, the main Watchmen characters, they're not untouchable. So bring mm-hmm. bring them back and continue telling their stories.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious about that too, because I I want him to come back as well. I think that I still believe the show is very perfectly and strategically spaced out episode wise. I was talking to Garrett on our last episode about how I do have complete faith in Damon Lindelof, and I think he's created enough shows uh, that revolve around mystery and sort of these bigger questions to the point where he knows just how deep the internet is willing to go with its research and its collaborative mind and the groupthink idea to theory theorycraft. Uh, so I feel like he has purposefully... Placed these scenes and kind of the introduction of characters and events uh, at specific points on purpose and I am ready for the payoff I say it every week just because I know you know it's you it's something massive is coming and this is going to be bonkers Uh, but I think that it will be within the next three episodes I'm so curious because I don't I could see us almost not even getting an Ozymandia scene next week. And then having the final three episodes uh, unleash everything. Uh, I am super curious though. I loved that he at least made contact this episode. And, you know, it it was another baby step in terms of just getting the satellite to spot him. But it's progress. So... What did you think? How do you think that this is going to unfold? Do you think that we're going to see him almost like head in a guillotine, the game warden, ready to, you know, pull the trigger and execute him for breaking the rules so many times and somebody comes and saves him? And I want to get a definitive guess from both of you. Do you think that um, he is going to get saved by Lady True, who, you know, the fanatic uh, with the funds to have her own satellites potentially out there taking pictures and catching something like this or do you think that it will be tied to the government and potentially Keen because I won't lie I didn't think of that I'll give you mine right off the bat I think that Lady True will be the one to connect with him Hmm. Um, mainly because I think that we've seen she has the resources technology and power to uh, just on a whim be monitoring space like that to catch to capture the data but then also have the potential like ships or means to actually get there
2: i if i had to guess i would say like let's assume that one of the two parties is going to bring back ozymandias one of them is going to bring back dr manhattan somehow I just get the feeling that she's after Doctor Manhattan. Interesting, but I, I don't, I don't know why. It's just kind of a hunch I have because I don't know if it's like the clock she's building kind of reminds me of the structure that he built in the movie and and the graphic novel on Mars. It just it's kind of like this intricate inner working thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I. After I've thought about it a little bit now, just during this conversation, I do think that Keen is they're going after Ozymandias. Um, Interesting. So we'll see. And I, I honestly would not be surprised if, just kind of like how, you know, the Calvary has twisted who Rorschach truly was and kind of views him as something other than what he was. You know, I he wasn't this like purely racist evil character pretty much and i think they kind of just like took his his worst ideations and built their entire ideology off of that i could see keen kind of similarly misinterpreting what ozymandias was trying to do i don't know in what way but i think he probably would not truly see the big picture and if he's trying to like replicate that same event he would have more nefarious purposes where yeah. i truly do think ozymandias was trying to create world peace i don't get the
0: i think keen wants power and i so i, that's, I never like got that point with honestly yeah, i ahead. think you kind of just like swung my thinking because i agree i think that keen and kind of tapping into what you said chris how we've talked about how he might be he clearly is trying to execute something similar to uh what Vite did in the graphic novel but bigger and I do think it is going to be for more corrupt reasons uh, and selfish reasons to like you just said Garrett gain power also I think a point that has just kind of hit me in the last couple minutes is based on what you said Lady True doesn't need Ozymandias like she has enough power and intelligence to create and do whatever she wants on her own. So I do think that she would be looking for at the bigger picture or for bigger, greater power. Whereas, uh, right, yeah. whereas a character like Keen, the government and the cavalry there, none of them are smart enough to be building the, you know, dimensional portals or kind of accessing this bigger, uh, higher, higher level, technology so that would give them they need ozymandias whereas true does not
2: yeah and she already got all she needs from him yeah you know she she got his company she got his technology all that what more could she possibly want it probably serves her better that he's not around because that you know raise questions about who Who's this intellectual property really belong to? Not intellectual property, but you know these ideas sure, and sure. this this like cloning thing that she's doing now. So, with very interesting, yeah i i I could see kind of what what I was saying. Like if Keen successfully brings Ozymandias back, I could see that being his downfall. And again, last episode, I was saying like I kind of hope that we get some sort of redemption for adrian veit as his character because even though he did commit pretty much well definitely like the most i don't know devastating act of terrorism of all time he also created world peace which has never been done before so it's like i've always had sympathy for his character and even though he was kind of painted as like the main villain of watchmen and i think that this could be a way where he he kind of puts Keen in his place maybe even does something that backfires on them on purpose and kills him maybe even I don't know I don't think he'd sacrifice himself but something like that where it Keen you know misrepresented who or misinterpreted who Ozymandias is brings him back tries to explain what he's doing and bring him into the fold and then Ozymandias is just like no it's a terrible idea and then you know stabs him in the back and kind of becomes a hero
0: in that way. Mm-hmm. yeah interesting uh chris what about you how did you how do you think the involvement of uh of these characters is gonna play out and do you think that who do you think is gonna rescue ozymandias i guess
1: um i'd go with keen and the government but i just with talking about this i just found a very interesting article where damon lindenloft confirms a couple things about voight i don't know if oh, okay. you guys have seen this so oh, shit so first of all garrett was right he he is on uh he's on europa a moon of jupiter yeah okay that was confirmed um and so uh trying to see where he says then this is the thing that i think is the most interesting from the time period standpoint pretty much every single episode a year has passed in between each episode that we see Vite. so so yeah but like yeah so that to me one is like making me wonder like when did we start and where are we gonna end uh because the quote, here's his quote, here's Lyndon lost quote Yep, exactly. What we're learning about Adrian Vite is that every installment that we get of the nine episodes, there's only one episode where you don't get a Veidt installment. The storytelling, he didn't fit in there, which I think, like you said, Blaze, is probably going to be next week. But, but every other one, you get one. A, and a year elapses in between mm-hmm. e- each episode. It's a story told on a very, very large canvas. Each installment taking place on another anniversary of another year that he has spent wherever the hell he's spending it. So,
0: yeah, so oh. theoretically, we know, I don't think we got any um, sign to confirm the year in this past episode. But up to this point, you know, it's been in line with the episode numbers. So this would have been the fifth year that he theoretically had made contact with mm-hmm. uh, civilization again. So, yeah. How many years, you know, does that leave between uh, that where he is and the present? Yeah that's really cool
2: that's it's kind of like dunkirk in a way where yeah we've seen two stories happen simultaneously yep. but they're happening over yeah that's really because
0: it, it basically just opens up the door to question you know if he he could be around and just behind the scenes and he could be for all we know leading whatever keen's plan is or he could be doing whatever with uh lady true you know that's what's so fascinating is he's clearly lurking in the shadows in some way right now but we just need these dots to be filled in
2: yeah yeah absolutely one so he said it was, he's on europa Hmm. so that i don't know if you guys like know too much about that but europa is obviously moon of jupiter mm-hmm. um and it's what makes it so unique is that i think it's completely covered in a sh- um the the crust is just like a super thick layer of ice and i don't know how scientists know but there's water in the middle of you like the core of europa is made up of water so it's basically Hmm. like a big ice ball with water in the middle and for that reason they think that you know the number one (laughs) thing that you need for life is water so there's a lot of ideas that like if we had the technology to get there and like drill into underneath the ice, then we could potentially find, you know, f- some alien life form, whether it's just like bacterial or a big monster or, you know, like a, I don't know, like a big swimming, a squid, <laughs> <laughs> a squid. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Maybe. So maybe that's just more of like an a- analogy, like th- and that's, you know, something that like astrophysicists talk about. So maybe it's kind of like, that's, you know, life exists in our solar system, and it's on Europa, and that's Ozymandias. Um, but on very small side note... Well, on top on of that, note, I yeah. think
0: that's a pretty interesting point, and that kind of segments into the last question I wanted to ask about uh, this uh, the Ozymandias plot in this episode, and is that, do you think that... Uh, this episode gave us confirmation that Dr. Manhattan is the one who imprisoned him there because he sort of has that exchange with the game warden and all of the Phillips and Crookshanks clones about how their God abandoned them and basically abandoned him too. Um, uh, to me, it obviously, uh, it has to be Manhattan in my eyes, but I was just curious if you guys felt the same way. Um, again that kind of complicates things in the how and why he would have decided to trap Ozymandias there but I think to your point uh, about that little science lesson there Garrett we know that Dr. Manhattan you know wanted to create life basically so it's interesting Mm. that we're seeing kind of this clone creation happen on the single other place known in the solar system uh, that like where it could be done
2: that has water yeah interesting
0: do you think though do you think it's uh, manhattan who who imprisoned him there
1: i don't see like we don't know in this world like even as technol more technologically advanced as the this world of watchmen is we're not hearing about people you know transporting to jupiter right like i feel like it has to be Manhattan. I also feel like Manhattan's the only one who could keep Vite in check. Yeah, for this long, you know, like they're they're equals in so many in many ways. And um,
0: I think it, I think to that point, it also confirms what we had sort of thrown out there in the early episodes when we saw the Vite scenes. Is that everything he was doing was sort of to see if Manhattan was still around or still closely monitoring him? You know, from the pocket watch to Uh, The recreation play of uh, Manhattan's accident and creation and everything. And it was all these little checks that I think he would make to kind of see, like, are you still watching me?
2: Yeah, and he was, you know, Dr. Manhattan, at least at first, he was the only one who knew that Ozymandias was behind the squid attack until theoretically this like the his little home movie came out um so i think it from what we know it makes most sense that he would trap him there and i mean who knows maybe obviously they do have these teleportation devices it's not out of the realm of possibility that he got found out and somebody else sent him there and again we know that lady true can kind of create these like biodomes, so that would maybe make sense that she sent them there but I don't know. Like, why would she? To just stab him in the back? It seems like she wouldn't care if he did that. And somebody's put him... You know, they put him there to punish him, clearly. I think the only
0: person that could bait him to... Because he says uh, in, I think, the fourth episode, he drops the line of, you know, he thought this was a paradise, but it turns out it was a prison. And I think the only person that could potentially have baited him into... Believing, like, hey, man, I, you, you know, you are good with this stuff. I want to create life. Like, I know how intelligent. I respect your intelligence. Like, come try this out with me. And like, that's uh, a good point. And yeah. I think that his determination, Ozymandias' is like determination to be seen as an equal, uh, by Doctor Manhattan or at least somebody with, you know, a god-like being he would obviously, like, take that chance, and the chance to create life and kind of mess with cloning and everything. It, hmm. it, it's something that he would be able to be blindsided by uh, when he was really being baited into a prison.
2: I thought you were honestly going to say that would be hmm. a reason why it could be Lady True. Because, again, what if, like, he did get found out because this video came out and... Well, well I guess that wasn't like widespread knowledge but what if the government found out he did it and they were gonna arrest him or kill him and then lady true was like no I can hide you you know until this all blows over so yeah that was my other sell me thought, your business but- I'll take it over I'll set up this like perfect environment for you but uh, it's it I don't know maybe um, I'm not sure maybe she's working with dr Manhattan in some way because it, it just seems weird it seems like the game warden is definitely like dr manhattan's you know like npc to keep him in check that's kind of how it feels to me
0: no i absolutely agree yeah just kind of blind speculation but and uh basically to wrap up the uh, the episode we essentially kind of pop back to uh wade and angela in the precinct and uh As we know, Keen instructed Wade to set up Angela because they're already kind of sniffing down that trail and he'd kill her entire family if he didn't. And man, this scene, this is like, this was like icing on the cake. And because we see how lonely Wade is, but we've talked about in our discussions how there is a friendship and relationship there. I mean, even just Wade willing to help her no questions asked identify what the pills are and everything and we see him even unwilling to break that secret for Lori when she confronts him in the beginning of the episode and you really get confirmation here that Wade does have a friend in Angela and it probably is his only friend and it's pretty sad because he willingly betrays her and it's really to save her but she doesn't know that So he uses the bug and, uh, Lori pulls her gun and Angela basically can't do anything about it. She's obviously surrounded and, uh, but she takes the nostalgia pills and she takes almost all of them. (laughs) She basically guzzles down a shit ton of them. And that kind of is what our entire next episode is going to be about. We're looking at a, uh, a vision quest where she will be in Will's shoes in his memories and uh we're gonna basically get filled in on his entire history and plot so uh how did you feel about the way the episode wrapped up and what are you looking forward to the most about where this is going to lead um chris why don't you hit us first
1: i mean i think it's going to Hopefully, give us more some more insight into Will's character, who's just been a clusterfuck of a mystery
0: so far. Uh, like I said, I think it's a purposeful. Yeah, they've been waiting to drop. Of course, them.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean in like a negative way that he's been a mystery. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, th- he doesn't have like discernible motivations so far, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Like, so, um, and I also think it's going to be kind of a great, like almost like a history lesson of what's time you know like what why tulsa mm-hmm. uh, you know why why this place um so i think that could be interesting i think it's going to you know force angela to have to deal with some demons um it's going to be interesting for her to kind of learn about her family's past in a way that she hasn't before not just will but like yeah maybe other aspects of her family and i don't know i mean it's it's gonna i feel like it's gonna fill in a lot of gaps i'm sure it's gonna in typical Watchmen fashion still give us a hell of a lot more questions we're asking ourselves by the end um but yeah i'm excited (laughs) to just see regina king act the hell out of it honestly and to hopefully have some questions answered and i hope that by the end of it, Angela comes out with some more information than she's had and is able to kind of piece this thing together. Cause she's in a tough place right now. Like you said, she's arrested. She's kind of framed. And I, yeah, I mean, Wade does it to protect her and she doesn't know it, but like, I still, I want her, I want to see her get out of this one on her own. And I'll be curious to see how she'll do that, especially when she's essentially going to be tripping nostalgia balls the entire time.
0: So Yeah, I'm curious too. I personally think that it's gonna have to end or essentially bring her to certain conclusions that lead to the light bulb clicking and she essentially just is going to have to come clean to Lori about everything and then fill her in on, you know, like a, hey, I know I fucked up by hiding this stuff from you, but listen to me, this is what's going on. You need to let me out to, you know, help get to the bottom of this because without me you won't be able to kind of get in touch with mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. or lady yeah. true yeah, and sure. blah 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 but yeah i'm hoping this is where we kind of see the team up we want and just kind of see her and laurie finally get on the same page when all is said and done obviously mm-hmm. not um ideal way to get for there sure. but i think it's gonna be necessary what about you garrett so Ultimately, I don't have too much to add on top of what you guys said about
2: Angela's story. But one thing that I'm, I'm really excited for is that we have had a couple different completely styles of episodes throughout the show so far. You know, we have kind of the main plot, but then we went back in time a little bit. And then we had, uh, you know, the more investigative uh, episode with Lori that kind of just had a different pace and i think we're gonna get a completely new kind of flashback type feel to this episode so just really excited to learn more about uh angela's past and more so finally get some information about will um one little thing that i would like to say that I, I loved about the last episode. I think it was Red Scare where he said, I think Hooded Justice is Dr. Manhattan. And I feel like they put that in there um, as a little you know, nod to everybody who has their tinfoil hats on and are saying that every single character right now is pretty much Dr. Manhattan in a weird way, whether it's Cal or Topher or Will. And I know last episode I said that I was really hoping that Dr. Manhattan either wouldn't come back or he would just come back as himself. And I think that's probably more likely now that we got that kind of little nod to the the tinfoilers there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, other than that, don't really have a ton of thoughts on on this episode. But I was happy to see some more looking glass and I'm excited to see where things go.
0: Yeah, no, that's... uh... I'm definitely with you i'm very curious and anxious to kind of see things start to come together but uh unless either of you had anything else you wanted to touch on that i didn't include uh, like i said my thoughts have been kind of jumbled on how to execute this discussion because there's so much uh, little detail and kind of look into mainly the psyche of wade and who he is but uh uh Chris, any final thoughts or anything else that uh, you thought we missed?
1: I mean, we covered most of it. I think again with this being such a singularly focused Wade episode that a lot of it really had to, you know, it always kind of had to come back to him understandably. And um and I think that we we definitely covered a lot of that and I think in the same way that this was Wade's episode, next week's going to be Angela's episode and Uh, i'm excited to see what the show does with that and even from a stylistic standpoint it looks like it's going to be told a lot in like black and white flashbacks and what i've really loved too is how the series it has its own feel but i also feel like each episode's kind of had its own stamp on it in a creative way um even if you think back to something like episode three with the joke uh kind of providing the structure for laurie you know laurie's phone call with dr manhattan um then this episode with, with Wade, we kind of had his, like, singular point of view kind of pushing us through. We were with him the whole time, and then next week's going to be this, like, weird drug trip down memory lane. Um, yeah, I just I just love how inventive this show is, and uh, I can't wait to see what's next. And I hope we get some answers next week. But uh, I just honestly I hope it's as entertaining as, as episode five was because, you know, as Garrett said up top, what a uh, – just you couldn't look away. What a what a, what an incredible episode of television. Definitely one of the best I've watched all year.
0: Absolutely. But uh, I think that will wrap things up here for our full discussion of Watchmen Season 1, Episode 5, Little Fear of Lightning. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the episode. We would love to discuss. It was certainly a lot, but uh, the show continues to do fun things impressive things and uh is always presenting more questions um if you like what you're hearing throw us a rating and review uh five stars very helpful to us and yeah otherwise like i said find us find us on twitter hit us up um you can find the show at locked in pod you can find me at blaze hopkins check out chris at ckinger13 also dropping dope era reviews as always and you can find garrett at locked in with g uh we will be back this sunday with another instant reaction episode um and yeah as always people just remember we're not locked in here with you you're locked in here with us